This is an audio conversation recorded on January 17th, 2010, and it's a long conversation, a really great chat with Reagan Lee. We cover a lot of stuff, and we seem to have a lot in common, and and that made for an interesting conversation. She's a prolific writer. Prolific is kind of an understatement. Uh, She writes a lot. She has a blog called The Orange Orb, easily searched out, um, and that would Orange Orb. Dot blogspot.com and she also writes a column for Banal of America. She does a lot of research. She's smart and insightful and I had a great time recording this and I hope you enjoy it. Well, let's go ahead and start. Here, I'll I'll start. Um uh, I'll just start by like this. Uh, good afternoon. Okay. Hi Reagan, this is Mike. Hi Mike. <laughs> How are you? I'm fine. Good, good. Hey, I wanted to do this partially because um uh, well, actually, not partially at all. I've been listening to some of your stuff and reading through some of your blog things, and you have actually a fair amount of stuff downloaded, um, audio interviews, and I was actually a little bit shocked at how much we have in common. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've noticed that. Yes, I I have. Uh, well, that's what attracted me to your blog was that it was so personal, and and that was the place you were coming from. And surprisingly, it, it's surprising to me, uh, not a whole lot of people do that. I, and since that's kind of where I come from as well, it's always just nice to kind of find someone else like that online and uh, who's just so forthright and puts themselves out there and also in such a, a poetic way oh good uh, i'm glad I, 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 I would i won't say a weird way is <laughs> i worry that i come well, across this as kind of a weird it, it is a little weird but it, it's good weird okay good that's, that's always good and and it's uh i i think the first piece i read of yours or first was about the owls and that's that's and, usually where I send people. That's I, if you, if you look at the way it's noted there, I, I personally I just kind of send people right to the owl thing. Yeah, and there was just something so. Um, even though at, on many levels, I guess it's it's kind of uh, experiences like this are are very uh, I don't know um, maybe even abstract and and certainly very personal. And I wasn't there, and they're they're almost dreamlike, and a lot of times they are dreamlike, or elements of dreams come into it. At the same time, it made sense, and I I kind of recognized it. Oh, good, and that was the that was something the... as something that made sense, and as something that I also have experienced. Anything on any some th- level? Would would directly with owls? Um, I haven't had uh, any personal experiences with owls, <laughs> and and yet, and yet, uh, it, it, there's something about the image uh, that is very um, familiar and mysterious, and maybe that's just the the kind of you know the the symbolism. That, and and when you see an owl in real life, they are very intense and very mysterious looking. They are, say. yeah. yeah. And in fact, well, I did have a, a, an experience. You know, I've seen a couple of owls in daytime, which, you know, isn't super unusual, but it stays with you, images like that. And uh, one time I, was, I admit I was going way too fast. I was coming onto the freeway on my way to somewhere, and actually it's a Native American um, 
gathering. So I was on my way to, and this giant bird, I don't know if it was an eagle, an owl, or what, flew right at our, the, my windshield and landed across. It covered the entire windshield. And we both, the, the passenger and I, just went, what the? And then it flew off. And it was it seemed to be a complete, you know, uninjured. It just flew off. It was a definite sign of something. It was very strange. Huh, and you were on your way to, a, like, a, a, a native gathering of some sort? Yes, yeah. Oh, I love yeah. stuff like this. Yeah. The um, My experiences yeah. with the owls thing, there's two owl stories that I have, and both of them are on there. And both of them involved the owls showing up right at the moment of, of um, like I was in a really intense conversation. And not just, you know, intense. Right. I mean, it was like deep metaphysical pondering the universe uh, type of stuff. Right. And and that post of yours, it was so, I don't know, it was, it was just, like I say, poetically written and and just everything about it was very... I thought, this guy is really just nice to come across people that are just honestly trying to figure out what's going on. And and I am, and it's been extremely, oh, what's it? I mean, it's been weird. I, 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 this mm-hmm. blog will be coming in March. This is being recorded in middle January here. And then coming up in March, um, the blog will be a year old. It has been, you know, I always, I just kind of say to myself, that's what they, they, uh, you know, if they want to like have a truth serum or something like that, if they instead of like torturing people in Guantanamo, they just give the people a blog, they'll just start gushing with absolute honesty. That's been my experience. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's been a it's been a funny um, truth serum in a way. Right. I like what you say too, just on your on the blog itself. You know, the little bit about it isn't linear. It can't be linear. It is impossible create a linear narrative as you just have to put it out there as it comes and it's an interesting form of communication i mean it's a it's a it's it's a form of communication that's never been around. I mean, we've we've had, you know, oral traditions, and we've had you know books since the printing press, and we've had magazines, and and um, and only recently have we had radio and television. But but this is in something entirely new and different. I've been quite fascinated by its by its its own sense of uh, a life, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. Me too. And how, how you're like you're this is you. How many blogs do you have? I actually tried to count them. I, I think I lost count at like six or seven. Yeah, I really don't know. Uh, well, some of them I co-blog, like uh, Leslie. You know, some are just fun. They have nothing to do with esoterica things at all, esoteric things at all. They're like Leslie Gunter, who has the debris field, and she writes gray matters for Banal of America. Um, she has something called the Totally Girly Blog, <laughs> which is about fashion. <laughs> Oh, okay. So I did. I did. I did on, see that. I was trying to figure out what that one was. I did, of all the yeah, ones I was I'm clicking. Yeah, I'm on that. Okay. You know, I'm a co-blogger. Sometimes I'll talk about you know some groovy finds about a skirt or something I found. Most of them are are my own, and uh, I think it's around fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, one is my husband's. Uh, it's his art. James Rich Studio, but I do it for him. Okay. Another one I do for my mom. I think it runs in the family because my mother has a blog 
and she kind of emails me what she's written, and I put it up for her. Oh. Because she's 82 years old, and she's, but she's still, you know, like I say on her blog, she's pissed as hell, <laughs> has a lot to say. Oh, that's cute. So I just, I just put it up there for her, and I, I don't comment or edit it or anything. I just um, put it up for her. And and your blog, the, the sort of the main one, the sort of hub on the wheel, would be the Orange Orb? Right. And yep. that's the first one I did that I came up with, yeah. Postings. What were what was the, the theme of the first few postings? Just uh, personal experiences. And when did and, you put it up? Oh, gosh. I, ooh, maybe five years ago, oh, okay, something okay. like that. I, I, I had a strong, I started going on the Internet and, and, writing about these things about 10 years ago. Which is actually a long time was, ago, given, given the fact that, yeah, that, that, and that the, blog, or the internet was just such a novelty at that point. Exactly, and I, was, uh, I had gone to, um, back to college and so doing research on UFOs. And, and at that time, I was, I was beginning to try to find out what was happening in my own life with all of these things and at the time it seemed in my area i live in eugene oregon Mm -hmm. uh there are a lot of sightings and the media would talk about them a lot and they'd appear in the paper the local paper and it seemed that everyone just about either had had a sighting of their own or knew someone that did and we'd always talk about them and and then somewhere along the line that all just kind of stopped I'm not saying the activity stopped, but the uh, the media interest, people talking about it kind of stopped. But anyway, when I was in college, so I, I started joining like various uh, forums like on Yahoo and places like that, you know, groups that would just get together and talk about these mm-hmm. kinds of things. So those kind of came and went. And then the blog thing happened and I started the Orange Orb and... So the Orange Orb started off, and it still is about personal experiences, but it also evolved into a combination of my personal experiences and sightings, and then also research and cases and opinion pieces on other people in the field. And uh, so that's why I started Saucer Sightings, which is strictly uh, my own experiences, mainly so I can kind of archive them. And just keep like a journal of the actual experiences. And that includes for me uh, dreams that I feel are connected to that. Or maybe some art piece I did that I feel speaks to that and that can help me. Like you say on your blog, Mike, about uh, all the pieces of the puzzle, trying to figure that out. Um, I just put them out there and hope that at some point it's going to make some kind of sense. Oh, this is fascinating. Yeah. Um, the orange orb, the term orange orb comes from a, a real-life event you had? Yes. And can you share that? I, sure. And this gets back to that nonlinear thing. It isn't actually the first UFO experience I had. Uh-huh. But, it, but I kind of consider it the first, I guess because it was so intense and it, I don't know if haunting is the right word. Sure, that's It kind of gr- haunts me to this day. Yeah. And it happened, I don't know, almost 30 years ago. 
Uh, it includes missing time, and uh, my husband and I both experienced it. And so, and also that's kind of what got me started on this road of trying to of research and reading everything I could about UFOs and UFO cases and the contactees and the abductees and just all of it. And then, of course, you know, as that saying goes, once you go down the rabbit hole. Yeah, it's so kind of, it's kind of a, a labyrinth that kind of gets you, you're kind of trapped down there at a certain point. Exactly. You start go, going off into other directions as well, you know, Mothman and Bigfoot and this and that, and, and it all just becomes part of it, <laughs> at least for me. So, uh, and it, so that's why it's called the Orange Orb, because that was a very dramatic, intense uh, experience. And uh, UFO, the show UFO Hunters had an episode not too long ago. I forgot the name of it. I even wrote about it. I forgot the name of it. But it was about people who've had orange orb sightings. Really? And, and these all took back a place back east, the ones they focused on. But they were so similar to what I experienced. It was eerie. Well, here's here's the my story is I have the, mm-hmm. the one that haunts me is a um, an experience from 1974. I would have been 12 years old at the time. I'm I'm 47 now, and uh, I saw. Oh, I'm not even sure how to describe it. Uh, I was walking home from a high school football game with a friend, and I knew what time it was, and um, I wanted to be home in time to see a television show that started at 10 p.m. And so it would have been a Friday night, and it would have been um, autumn football season in my little hometown. And it was a totally lovely night. I remember it was very pleasant. And I crossed a street, and I got to this one spot on the sidewalk, and I, I could go right to that spot with a piece of chalk and make an X exactly where the event took place. And um, there was an orange flash. The only way I can describe it is as if the, um, as if the sky lit up bright orange, uh, like a deep, rich orange, and then it just shut right off. And so the sky would have been lit up for one second and then poof, right back to normal. There was absolutely no sound, and it was very jarring. And my friend and I, we both would have been little 12-year-olds uh, in junior high school, we, we uh, were perplexed, and I remember we talked about it right then and there. We were like, what just happened? What was that? And and I remember we talked about... um meteors like maybe it was a meteor but that didn't make any sense there was nothing it felt like uh you know it felt like you know the whole sky lit up it didn't have anything to do with some little dot or or some streak or anything like that and then uh, uh when i got home uh my friend lived a little farther through the neighborhood so he just kept on walking i went to my house um as we passed my house and then uh my parents were angry at me because I was I was home. So they said, "You you can't be out this late. You're only you know you're just a little kid. You can't be out this late." And I'm like, "What do you mean? It's only 9:30." And uh, instead, it was 11:30. So somehow I lost two hours of time. Oh. So that's my orange oh. story. Wow. That's <laughs> all I can say is wow. That, that story gets better and better, but but uh, I mean not better and better. I mean there's like that story gets multi-layered and stuff is going on now where like little elements of that story are re-emerging in my life right now in the weirdest way imaginable. Uh-huh. So. so well, we had a similar experience. We were and there's all, like you say there's all this other stuff associated with, but we basically were going out of town to visit a friend and about four o'clock in the afternoon nice day get out there he's not there uh and for some reason we both felt kind of odd like 
usually we enjoy ourselves. You know, we're kind of out in the woods and, you know, it's a nice day, but we just couldn't wait to get back, which is kind of a weird thing for us to, you know. But we hop back on the motorcycle, come back. Next thing I know, it's about 8.30 at night. And it only took, at best, at best, 30 minutes to go from our house to this other place. So I don't know where, and, and we saw the orange orb on this huge orange orb uh, in the sky. It was definitely, it wasn't, when I say orb, I mean a round craft or machine. It wasn't like an like a spirit orb. Okay, know, so I it wasn't like it a was, little a little a translucent floating no, uh, mystical no, bubble. No, it was like a globe or like a. I mean, and it was lit from within. And so, at first, I it was stationary, and I saw it, and I thought, "What the hell is that thing?" And then it. I felt like it was sort of waiting for me, which I know sounds odd, but then it just like zoomed out from wherever it was to right across the road, and it kind of like followed us. And then it, as we turned the corner to go to our house, it was above the house kind of across the road from us, uh, stayed stationary for just a couple seconds, and kind of like sank down, basically landing in the backyard of this house and how big would you we would went, you guess it was just wow it was i mean like the full moon i mean it was huge okay man i mean like big. so so easy to see in the sky obviously but like it like could oh, yeah. you even guess like like it, real life like how big the thing would be was it as big as a volkswagen or as big as a, a ocean liner oh no no i would say like like if i were holding up say a basketball or a beach ball which is a little bigger than, but you know, at arm's length, it would be like that big. Okay. I don't know if that makes sense. Well, but, yeah, sure. But, but that's when you know we have all this missing time. We're worried from approximately four o'clock or four thirty to you know, I have no idea. We don't know. <laughs> and that's when all the dreams started. All the. And, and when know, was this? As you said, thirty years ago. Yeah. So Here that, in Eugene. So that would have been around 1980? Mm-hmm. Okay, so interesting. Yeah. So, um, and there, there are a lot of strange things. Uh, to this day, my husband and I still argue about uh, details. Um, he insists that we weren't living there uh, when that happened, but we always go through this process of arguing, and then I say, but gym i was in the kitchen and it was when we had the the beige phone and the, and he goes oh yeah okay so that was unfriendly you know we have to go we have to like relive go through this uh kind of tracing or mapping our the various places we live before we can get to the point where we can talk about it, if that makes sense. No, yeah, it makes perfect sense. And, and what I did for yeah. my experience was um, the television show that I wanted to watch that night was called Kolshak the Night Stalker. And it was a... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're about, you're the perfect age to know what that show is. So yeah. that show was only on for one season. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, with the advent of the internet, all I had to do is like push a few buttons and I realized that... So if it was autumn and that show was on TV, it was 1974. There's no other mm-hmm. chance that it could be any other year. So I knew that 
you know, so so that I feel like I, I confirmed the year, and that matched exactly the year I would have been in seventh grade, which which matches perfectly. And uh, so that's you know, because I had no idea. Like you know, I thought about it, and I was like, well, what year was that? You know, like I remember me and my friend Mike, whose name is also Mike, um, were in junior high school. So that could have been either two years, because I would have been in junior, seventh and eighth grade. But it, it works out to seventh grade. Uh, and I and I wouldn't be surprised if I've got some details wrong but i think that the, the main uh the main elements of the story are all as far as i can tell pretty accurate mm-hmm. uh do you have you have any uh conscious uh recall or of um actual aliens or entities or whatever you want to call oh you haven't looked at, i could check it i'll uh, i'll forward you some stuff i actually this one of the nice pictures i drew on my blog i i uh i <laughs> So this would have been in 1990, winter of 92, 93, and it would have been probably January or February of 93, and I was living in a little house in Maine, and I'll, and I'll preface this by saying I was pretty emotionally, uh, I was I was depressed at that point in my life, so, so I, I mm-hmm. am very cautious to give this memory a lot of credence, you know, like I, I, it's, I'm skeptical of its validity, though at the same time it is very vivid, and I... Uh, was living alone at this house, um, and in the middle of the night, my bed is pushed up against a window, so in the middle of the night, there was a bright light shining in the room, and I wasn't sure whether it was a car in the driveway or whether we had a motion sensor light outside, but it seemed too li- too bright for, the, for that. Um, and I sat up in bed, and I looked outside, and just outside my window were five skinny, gray aliens like classic big eyed bald headed uh you know gray aliens uh mm-hmm. with tight fitting clothes and they were backlit by something and the thing that they were backlit by seemed this is all an impression cuz i cuz i felt like i didn't actually get a good look at what they were what was lighting you know where the light source was um but it seemed like it was something surprisingly small like like smaller than a like the size of a refrigerator or something like that was actually what was creating the light uh rather than than like a you know, whatever. I mean, the the assumption would be it would be some flying saucer or some craft, but I did I did not see that. Um, and so that's a pretty scary image to look out the window and see that. And then I, I, uh, I said, I'm not sure if I said it to myself or a voice in my head said this. And but I remember very distinctly having the almost command, whether I was giving the command to myself, that basically said, "Now is time to shut down." And then I, I laid my head on the pillow and went right to sleep and, wow. and, in, and in essence yeah. I, sh- I mean shouldn't i have like run screaming from the room and like you know gotten a baseball bat and tried to defend myself or something i right that's a pretty creepy image so uh, the next morning i woke up and i remember thinking to myself like oh that's like whoo that was a vivid dream like huh where did that one come out that came, came out of the blue and i will say that i was reading um bud hopkins intruders book that night mm-hmm. i know for sure i had it like right on the bedside table and i um you know, so I could have easily confabulated that memory, though that memory is very, uh, how, this is going to be difficult to describe, but there's like an otherworldly quality to that memory that, that, mm-hmm. uh, that I've had only two other times. And one of them was definitely in a dream environment where I had dreamed I, I was, um, did you look at the blog thing? And there's a funny little posting I have about a dream that I had with my brother. Actually, right now I'm looking at your white lion one. 
Oh, oh, you're on the you're on here. Let me. I'm I'm gonna do the thing here. I can edit this stuff out which, if I need which, to. But oh. what you were saying about about the the strong. Okay, oh, go down to the bottom. The wordly vibe you have. For here, the, here, just for go down team. to older posts. Okay. Just at the bottom, and click on that. I think it yeah. might be one of the first ones that comes up. There's me. Yeah, right. It says "Funny Dream" from Wednesday, November fourth. I could send you a URL. Funny your... Dream, got it. Okay. okay, so so um, here I'll start oh. all over. I'll start all over. Did you do that drawing? Yeah. So yeah, it, okay. it, it turned out nice. It turned out pretty accurate. I tried to do it really quick, but um, so here's I'll just this, that story of that dream is is uh, and this was definitely a dream. And in my dream, I was visiting my brother at his house, and my right. brother's a little older than me, and. Uh, he kind of goes, oh, you know, Mike, here, why don't you come on in the garage? i got to show you something. You'll find this interesting, I bet. So he opens the garage door, and there's this, like, partially disassembled, like, flying saucer in his garage. And it's got a tarp on it. It's up on blocks and or up on, on sawhorses. And and, and he, he's really nonchalant about it. He says, you know, I, you know if, guy, if I know he does this government work, and he had this thing, and he didn't want it anymore. So I kind of took it off his hands, and I'm not sure what to do with it. And so... And he says, but be careful. If you walk too close to it, it'll distort your sense of reality. And I'm like, mm -hmm. what is he talking about? So so I um, so I actually do that. I walk close to it. And that's the illustration. You can see I'm putting my hands up there. And I and I kind of walk up towards it. And it, um, sure enough, as I step forward, it there's this funny, the only way I can describe it is kind of the head in the fishbowl and kind of weirdly quiet and and uh, mm -hmm. strangely dreamlike and then and I and I enter that realm and I step back a little bit and it goes away and I walk forward and I have this funny uh, uh, altered reality sensation I step back a little bit and it disappears and and then uh, my brother was funny he said uh, he said oh you know I have to I I can't get inside the thing and I'm getting kind of used to it this distorted thing but I can't get inside the thing so what I do is I take this digital camera and I put it on the end of a long stick and he and he puts it in the door and then takes pictures of the inside and that's when I woke up but that feeling that distorted reality feeling uh, matches exactly what it felt like the night I I had that dream experience of seeing those five skinny figures outside my window in Maine in 1993. Yeah, and that's the thing about a lot of these experiences. Um, on one level, you, you can say, well, it's just a dream. But there's and it's true, you know, you say you're reading intruders and all of these things could affect our subconscious. And, but at, sometimes there's a distinct feeling that goes along with these experiences that just puts it into a different category. And they may not be literally true or real, but... When it comes to all this stuff, at a certain point, what does that even mean? It, it's it is real. I mean, there's something going on, and there's there, and I think it's all at times so wrapped up with um, with us, parts of us we don't even know about, and connections and synchronicities and all of this stuff. It's so hard to just try to. Uh, make your way through it all and so like you said you you just calmly kind of went to sleep right i I, I i just blacked like right out now. that's the memory but, i have and a lot of people um again when i was in college i was uh i majored in folklore and and i majored in ufo studies and narratives 
and I, I got away with it because they considered that part of folklore. So I, oh, that's fascinating because that's was, actually that would have been. Mm-hmm. Oh, keep going, keep going. This is because that, this is yeah. that, that oh, side so of things just a, delights me. Right. So it's just unbelievable how many people came to me and said, "Oh, I hear you're the UFO chick," you know, and they would tell me these stories. They never told anyone else often, and um, and research has shown us too that. Uh, people have had an incredible sighting of either an entity or a craft or what have you, and then instead of doing what you would think would be the thing to do, either uh, attack or run or go tell someone, they just kind of go, oh, and then they go sleep. That's actually very common. Yeah, oh, and, and I've read, I've been sort of immersed in the subject in the sense that I've got... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sitting here in my my studio here, and I've got a lot of books on the subject. Um, uh, mm-hmm. I've got over a hundred books in the room here with me uh, on the subject, mm-hmm. so I've I've read a lot. So yeah, so I, that 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 side of things isn't lost on me. Right, and uh, you know I've had similar experiences where uh, I had one just the other night. Uh, I don't know if I wrote that if I wrote that or not, but I was just kind of. So I wasn't really asleep yet. I was just kind of resting on the sofa in the living room and had had this urge to go outside and then saw this little kind of in my mind's eye, this little orange dot that got bigger and then kind of burst or exploded. And it scared the hell out of me. And I, and then I didn't want to go outside after that. It was like something was calling me to go outside and look, to look up. And I didn't want to do it. So it's as if it came into my head. And, but it was a creepy feeling. It was, now, you know, people could say, oh, it's just you were having a migraine or something. Sure. Oh, that's a, that's the kind of thing I, would be easy to dismiss. But, and I will also say that having read mm-hmm. as much as I've read uh, on the subject and, and talked to a bunch of people directly, um, you know, what you're saying you know, certainly fits into a pattern. It would be mm-hmm. easy to dismiss if you were the only person who's ever said this, but I've heard that story in one form or another, very close to that form, um, you know, enough times that I that, that it's hard to dismiss. And and it, again, it just comes with a feeling or knowledge that this is part of that stuff of the other. It isn't just oh you know, a headache or you were just dream. you know, you know when that's happening. You know when you can say, oh, it's just my imagination or it's just, you know, it's nothing or it's whatever. Or I thought it was bad. It turned out to be something very mundane. There, there are these little weird, it gets back to what we were saying at the beginning of this, these strange kind of abstract, nebulous little things that are, somewhat vague and surreal and yet you just know it's it's part of this thing it, it, that's speaking we're trying to get our attention and we're we're a part of it and uh that's the best i can explain it and i don't think i'm explaining it no no i know all. exactly what you mean <laughs> it, fe- it feels like to me and this is just and this is all just an impression and and because uh, mm-hmm. my experiences over the last three years have been almost based on synchronicities. 
-hmm. the synchronicities have been so ridiculously profound that I can't mm -hmm. dismiss them. They're, they're, they're right. profound in a way that, that um, it won't allow me to dismiss them. And I think if, if I had, this is going to sound so sort of self-indulgent, but I think if they, you know, like if, if a big scary craft landed in the yard and, and a bunch of uh, uh, entities got off and, and sort of, you know, knocked on my door, I would flip out. <laughs> I, I wouldn't mm -hmm. be able to handle it. And I, and I, and somehow or another, they, or whatever they are, whether, you know, it's a, it's a amorphic, you know, energy field or whether it's, you know, like little teeny creatures that, you know, uh, are made of some sort of alien flesh and blood, whatever they are, uh, must know that on some sense. So they're, mm -hmm. they're, whatever the communication is, is so like sideways and, and curiously cautious and curiously, uh, un, oh, un, I want to say like undefined, but that's the wrong way to say it. You know, it's, it's just, it's, right. it, it just sits at the periphery. Yes. Yes. That's, that's a good way to describe it. And it's, uh, they're anything but overt. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess yeah. they can be overt at times and, and there's certainly plenty of overt stories in, in, uh, and if Whitley Strieber True. was here, he would, he would chime in and say, and, and beg to differ. But from my direct experiences, they have been very, uh, what's the opposite of overt, you know, non-overt? <laughs> Covert. Yeah. Covert, excellent, Covert. very well, very good. But, but uh, for me, uh, I've had a lifetime of UFO experiences and other types, you know, paranormal, psychic and type experiences, and yet I've never seen an alien at least that I remember. And this, and, and I, and, and I, I just told a story a few minutes ago about uh -huh. seeing them, and I am in complete and utter like I can't trust that memory. So I would actually say, well, right. I've never seen one either. So. Right. Well, I always go. I, I, I do. I've talked about this before. I, I did have an interesting experience when I was meditating, of where, I saw them. They were definitely there, but, I also realized that they were kind of on some other plane or dimension. In, in other words, if someone had walked into the room, they wouldn't have seen them because they weren't really there like that, if that makes any sense at all. That makes perfect sense. But they, they were there, yeah. For, somehow, for some reason, I don't quite trust that what we see, that, in other words, they're just appearing that way. They're not, that's not what they really are. That's just my sense. I always refer to them as my invisible aliens. Um, I have a strong, strong memory, memories of, as a child, all these different experiences involving the aliens, perfectly aware of their presence, perfectly aware of their actions, knew when they were coming. Uh, I even danced with them and played with them, and I knew they were there. I could sense them, but I could never see them. Huh, this is fascinating. Now, I don't know if I don't remember not seeing them or if I really did not, didn't see them, I don't know. But I, I don't, they never, and when I have dreams of them, I'm always aware of their presence. They are definitely there, but I can't see them. You know, it's interesting because I, I can say that, I don't know why, I can't, it'd be hard for me to give an exact date, you know, maybe 2004 or five. Uh, only around that point, around 2004 maybe, did I actually become a little bit aware of the fact that, like, I couldn't, I, like, I always had these memories, and I just couldn't dismiss them anymore. 
and and I was completely capable of that point of of absolutely denying and dismissing them, um, though I don't have any memories of of like you know what you're describing there, of of um, you know feeling like I was in the same room with an invisible entity or anything. So, but but I have. Uh, well, yeah, I have strong memories of, and I mean, it wasn't until I was probably in my teens that I realized. It couldn't have possibly been real because things like that don't really happen. And then I quickly realized, well, it really did happen, so there. <laughs> yeah, and I did not quickly. And, of course, after, right, yeah, it wasn't talking before. to other people. And my husband, this is another thing, my husband has had similar experiences his entire life as well. And did and you I know that when you met, active. before you met, or? No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> When I met him, <laughs> I was, I gave him a hard time, but no, it, we had no idea. And we then, so you actually were you married? We, were you married by the time? What you, do you mean? I mean, by the time you actually started to to delve into this, when was when was that? Or someone uh, looking into your own... when we got together, uh, and and that it was also one of those relationships where when we got together, we were together. It was just one of those things. Uh huh. Um, we just, like, that was it. But, uh, and we started talking about things, all this kind of stuff right away. And I figured, well, I'm just going to be out there and he'll either run screaming or he won't. (laughs) And, uh, so, but we found out that we had a lot of similar experiences, our lives, including we lived, we found out we lived just a couple of blocks from each other at one point in our lives before we ever met but we later found out that at the same time we were living just a couple of blocks away from each other so th- there's obviously some kind of connection there yeah um yeah oh so uh, I just, as far this... as art goes another one of these kinds of experiences uh i was looking at a painting that I'd done, uh, kind of an abstracty kind of uh, landscape. Of, and I always it reminded me of Sa- the Santa Cruz Mountains. I used to live in the Santa Cruz area, and I was just looking at it. I wasn't thinking about UFOs or anything at all like that. Just looking at it, and then my mind kind of started to drift, and I was thinking about. Uh, a time I was with my family, some of my family, my father and my brother and some other relatives. Oh, and we were kind of camping one night by a river and standing there and looking at the stars. And and all of a sudden, the memory became extremely vivid and real, like I really was there. It was a little strange. And I could smell the the air and the river and the water and it was a little uh, unnerving because that had never really happened before but it was kind of neat remembering my dad who's, who passed away and so it was you know and then the memory was changed to all of that was real being there with my dad being by the river that was all real that really happened and then he, he said, oh, look at that moving star in the sky. And we all looked up, and there was a moving star in the sky. And I said to myself, wait a minute, that didn't really happen. 
And a voice came and said, oh, yes, it did. You don't want to remember. And the little star grew bigger and was moving and coming right at us. And then I didn't want to deal with it. And I just, I just got up off the bed and left the room. I said, I can't handle this. Huh. That's so yeah. interesting. <laughs> it was very weird. So, I, you know, I don't know. Does that mean we saw or experienced something that night that none of us remember? Um, who knows? Exactly. No who knows? The pattern is what's, it's what's mm -hmm. so interesting with this right. stuff. Um, you, you had a story of seeing a triangle, a large triangle at night? Yes. Yeah. Um, in Dexter, Oregon, we were at a, you know, just outdoor gathering of uh, several probably a couple hundred people, and we were, a little group of us were just standing around talking, looking up at the night sky, and we were even joking about, oh, let's look for UFOs, you know, and all of a sudden I look up, and I didn't see anything, it just seemed off, and then I realized a triangle shape of the sky was completely blocked out. Mm-hmm. And that's what was so weird. And then I brought it to the attention of the others, and we all looked up and go, oh, yeah, that's really weird. And we couldn't move. And everything became kind of muffled. And oh, almost like everyone around us was, you know, because the kids running around and people running around and all, every, almost like in slow motion. And we even made these silly jokes about missing time or checking our watches and but we couldn't. It gets back to that thing about you would think if you saw something like that, you'd run and tell people. You'd, you'd scream. Something. You're like, eek, sure. But we, we just stood there. We couldn't. We just stood there. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the thing, which was completely silent, completely huge, just went. Just went away. It just slid off incredibly fast. It just shot up and away without a sound and then as it, as it did that we all kind of like woke up or something and then we we were we found we were able to to walk around and we were telling people about it and most people there were interested and found it interesting uh the people that owned the property said oh yeah we see stuff like that all the time yeah, he were kind of jaded about wasn't, it. Wasn't wasn't James Gillian? Was it? No. Okay. No, <laughs> no this was here in Oregon. Yeah. Isn't and, he in Oregon? Um, He's in Oregon, isn't he? Um, in Washington. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Uh, so it's just one of those things, you know. Oh, that's so. Now, now this is now. I, I purposely I I had heard that story. You told that story on uh, uh, Greg Bishop's audio program. Uh huh. Um. I have a friend, this is, so, who knows I'm sort of dealing with this stuff. Uh-huh. And, uh, and he's, you know, good pal, and he says, oh, you know, you should, while you're over, you should talk to my next-door neighbor. And I had met his next-door neighbor at a barbecue or something, so I just walk out of his door and knock on his next-door neighbor's door, and he comes out, and, and, uh, and we actually had dinner the next night together, him and his wife. And he told me a story about walking through a little town. I'm going to be very cautious, not give too many details because I don't, it doesn't, I don't really have his permission to tell the story. But um, it's almost the exact same thing. And he 
he did exactly the same thing and I'm, I should probably just ask him to record a little thing and compare and contrast your description with his description because he describes the thing leaving in the same kind of otherworldly way that you described it leaving mm -hmm. um, and I will also add that his name is Lee <laughs> which I think is very funny uh, yes. And his, so he was with his wife at the time, so multiple witness, and he remembers it leaving. And I remember his wife, they were sitting there and she kind of, she kind of uh, sat there and, and said, uh, I don't remember it leaving. So I thought that was very interesting. Um, and that mm -hmm. was just at night in their little town there and uh, uh, walking through their little neighborhood. And, you know, the same thing, just like a giant triangle blotting out the stars, um, mm -hmm. weirdly, you know, affecting the sound, you know, like strangely quiet and... And, uh, yeah, so interesting. So interesting. At the, uh, do you know who the Bale brothers are? I think it's Chris and Mark Bale. No. They, they are two Oregon, I think they're contractors, and they were at the McMinnville UFO uh -huh. uh, Festival last year. They were very... In in many ways, even though Stan Friedman was there and Linda Moulton Howe were, were there, and they were certainly great, but in a way, the Bale brothers were uh, the most interesting bec only because they were, it was so heartfelt. I mean, just such a real, a direct experience, and, and they had never done this before. They had never talked about you know they're not into writing a book or anything like that they they just came to tell their story of a huge triangle they saw i believe in idaho mm -hmm. like kind of on the eastern oregon idaho border yep. around in there and in a deep canyon somewhere and it, it was just wow a fantastic story and i believe linda moulton howe has written it up on her earth files uh -huh. uh, website but uh, they describe that same uh, kind of muffled feeling, like someone's kind of covered you with a blanket almost, or is holding a blanket above your head. Now, is this, I mean, I, I attempted to describe some odd feeling when I, mm -hmm. in, in it, we're just you know, attempting to describe a, a, like, a, like a weird, odd emotion, which is by its very nature going to be impossible to describe, but, but, I'm, but I'm just wondering if we're, we're all describing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was also interesting during that triangle sighting. Afterwards, we, you know, went told some people about it. And, uh, as I say, most people were interested, and you know, some had experiences of their own, that kind of thing. Uh, but one guy, <laughs> he was downright. I mean, I thought he was going to attack me almost. He was downright angry. First of all, he accused me of being incredibly stoned or drunk or both. And I said, well, since I'm the designated driver, no, you know, we can't go there with that. So then he just decided to call me a liar. <laughs> Why in the world would I lie? But, you know, I mean, he's just... Well, I think that's... I mean, that at describes... the time, he was pissing me off. But, you know, later, I have to laugh. <laughs> I, think, I think that describes, a, you know, a certain percentage of the population. And I, and I think that population, that percentage of the population is surprisingly small um mm -hmm. but i think the perception is that it's surprisingly large um you know given the fact that like news reports would would dismiss these kind of things with a giggle factor and 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 such right. 
Um, but but my direct experience of just like talking to people is it sounds like yours where you talk to someone and they and everyone seems to have a story or their brother saw something or or right. um, and 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 it seems that collectively our our populace is much more open minded than we would than we would assume um you know by watching the six o'clock news right given what the what the uh you know whatever term you want to use infrastructure dominant paradigm you know will tell us we have these kind of two realities going on i don't know if reality is the right word but re- reactions one is denial or making fun of it trivializing it in some way and the other one is the majority just as you were saying have these experiences or know people who've had uh certainly you know our media our entertainment media is, you know all these kinds of shows are very popular sure. and that kind of thing so we have like two opposites going on at the same time <laughs> with all this stuff uh, the only another time a similar thing happened uh we were at a, a friend's home and there were i don't know maybe 10 people there and it started off with i knew we were going to see a ufo that night i just knew it it was strange and then one of the people there was looking out the window for the longest time, and I knew she was seeing the UFO. I couldn't see it yet. And I was getting a little ticked because in my mind I was going, come on, when are you going to tell? When are you going to let us in on it? Well, finally she did. She said, come here, guys, look at this. So we all did. And we all watched it, and we all observed it, and we looked at it through binoculars, and we, we all were very interested and intrigued and this one person out of the group was just he was mad he just like got mad oh that's interesting that that's the emotion that wells up you know that that almost says a lot he didn't want to look at it he didn't want to talk about it he got annoyed with us he walked away he went in the other room he was just (laughs) it's just very interesting and and can you describe what you were seeing through the binoculars um with the naked eye, it was uh, a white, just really uh, a big white light that's kind of bouncing and moving, but it was coming towards us. Not particularly fast, but very steady and very, you know, and it came, uh, the house is up in the hills and, and uh, a good part of the house is just basically windows. So we watched it for a long time and but then through the binoculars, it changed shape. It went from a triangle to a rectangle to a square to a circle to a, you know, all these different shapes and colors. It was perfectly white with the naked eye, but through the binoculars, when it became a triangle, it was turquoise. When it became a square, it was yellow. When it was, it was very interesting. It was really very strange. And then it came all the way up almost to the glass, and then swung back out and went back the way it came. And how big was it when it got close to the glass? Not, to, not very big. Um, maybe like, I don't know, if you're holding your arm out, uh, maybe like the size of a baseball. Wow. Yeah. But it was as if it came from out there all the way to make its presence known to us, and it went back out. Just, it was very odd. 
And so is this man's reaction. Well, I think that, that reaction is, you know, I mean, yeah. I think that that's that. Well, how to say? It. I can't. I mean, I can't. I can't begrudge anyone for having that reaction. You know, the, just for like. No, the, I can't. No, I just find I'm. I find all of this so interesting. People's reactions and responses and. And, uh, um, and actually, you know, the, the, the another reaction, which I find also equally as, as distressing, is the people who are just like filled with, with just blatant, you know, wanting to believe and just sort of like, you know, and just, you know, loving the fact that it's that they're seeing something, um, you know, the, the sort of people who are a little too eager to to you know call them our little space brothers and how wonderful it is and and such right so that, and they have that... all the answers and they know what it's all about and oh, why yeah, they're and here the, and where and... they're from and what well, yeah I yeah know. those those people i find equally as as uh right. as distressing actually probably yeah, more years distressing. ago uh i was involved in a little you know kind of ufo study group kind of thing you know we got together and um and right away people started to have agendas about what to believe and what not to believe and what to talk about and what not to talk about. And and that bothered me because it is what it is, and your experience is your experience. And if you're not going to be honest about that, then you're not going to really get anywhere. I don't see how you could get anywhere. If, if you decide beforehand that you're not going to deal with, you know, X, Y, and Z, that's ridiculous um that happens though in research it happens in uh and that includes things like bigfoot research and you know, oh i'm sure that happens in like the people who research the, you know like the best kind of you know a plumbing wrench to use or something like that you know so right right but when it comes to something like this where we don't know what's going on to begin with we can't make these arbitrary decisions about what is valid and what isn't and particularly when it's an individual coming with to you with an experience, you have to at the very least listen to it mm-hmm. and bring it into the into the mix. And I have come across, unfortunately, a lot of people who just won't do that. It's it's. I fun- was told once that at another group uh, of people that they didn't want me talking about the the negative side of things, <laughs> and I said, "Well, I don't." I don't particularly like it either, but it happens. So, you know, um, we have to at least look at it and see what we're going to do with it. But you can't just pretend it it didn't happen. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny. One of the things I've done, which is very fascinating, and I've gone to the Laughlin um, UFO conference a few years in a row, and I'll be going back again this year. It's a little bit nutty there and, and easily... You can easily make fun of the scene there, but the thing that mm-hmm. um, there every night they have a um, UFO abductee support group meeting or contactee mm-hmm. you know closed session support group meeting, and you know one year it was run by Leo Sprinkle and then another year it was run by Barbara mm-hmm. Lamb and and um, I found that so intensely fascinating and and exactly just what you said where everyone has got a different story um you know you definitely have the people with the you know light angels coming to anoint the chosen few here on earth and bring love and 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 grandiosity and then you have the other folks that are telling stories of uh, that could not be any scarier i mean the stuff of absolute soul-shattering nightmare stuff um Mm-hmm. And and they're both sitting in the same circle, you know, and they're both telling their their same stories, and 
And to me, that I don't have an answer about what that means, but it's just so fascinating that somehow it's manifesting itself in a way, um, you know, once one way to say it would be like, oh, there's different, you know, different species coming from different, you know, gal- galaxies, and they're here with different agenda, um, and you know, some people are interacting with the with the ones with the negative agenda, and some people are interacting with the ones with the beautiful agenda. Um, mm-hmm. That may be true. I don't have any evidence of that, um, though. Actually, sitting and hearing those first-person stories is so intensely bizarre, and I and and mm-hmm. in a weird way, kind of like. I don't want to say seductive. I guess that's as good a term as any. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I'm drawn into it. Well, yeah, I I think uh, we have to admit. I mean, I do admit that there is that too. It is seductive, and yeah, I think you have to be careful because you can kind of get lost and obsessed to the point of not dealing with reality. Well, I've met a few of those, and then or, I've, or, I've I've looked at myself in the mirror reality, a few times. I mean, <laughs> what? Oh, I've definitely looked at myself sorry, in the mirror a few like, times and wondering where I am on that. It's like, have I lost? Am I lost? Am I like, have I flipped exactly, out? Exactly right. Yeah, uh, and you know, you don't want to, you don't want to become arrogant or all of these things. But and I, and that's the other reason why I think it's it, there's so many reasons why, but that's one reason why it's so important to talk with other people, uh, other researchers, and other, uh, for lack of a better term, experiencers. Uh, People like yourself. I've never called myself uh, an experiencer. It, what? I've never called myself an experiencer. So, uh, but but anyway, yeah, just keep... I don't. I have. Yeah, I have people with experiences. I mean, what term do we do we use? I have no I idea. When I, I, when I try to describe yeah, myself, I have, no I, I have to like walk around the block three times to like you know, and, and it takes me two paragraphs to just to try to define what I am. So um, you know, it's kind right, of exactly. maybe sort yeah. of experiences right. that might in some way or another indicate that perhaps you know and i just go on and on like that and never come to a straight answer i know i know i know i'm I'm this way because whatever these things are you know is there's the war of the ufo nuts and bolts versus whatever (laughs) and it's it still rages on and i listened to the you know vali has the was the five reasons why they're not ETs mm-hmm. from other planets? Sure, I can't. I don't know what the five and reasons. When I read but... that, uh-huh, when I read that, I, it makes sense to me. And when I listen yeah, to when okay. I listen to Stanton Friedman go on and on about like you know how they're you know they're they're um, you know just advanced versions of us coming from a different place. Yeah, yeah. I, uh-huh. I listen to that, and I, I, that makes perfect sense too. Exactly, exactly. So I I can't argue with either one really. So maybe it's a little bit of both. Maybe they're two different things. Maybe they're things that play off each other. Maybe, you know, who knows? But I don't see why you necessarily have to pick one either. And I think that's just that's human nature is to want to sort of define and put things in a box and try to pick one. But um, but I certainly can't. Right, because hey, it does make it easier. Yeah. Oh, it certainly makes it easier. It doesn't necessarily make it. It doesn't make you right, but it does make it. No, no, of course not. So I just I just continue to to uh, delve into it in all these different ways, from my own personal experience to looking at the experiences of others and research and you know everything from. You know, the contactees fascinate me, and so many people just want to put them off to the the loony 
you know, embarrassing side of UFO history, but there's something about the contactees, including being kind of, I admit it, being charmed by kind of the quirkiness. Well, the, you know, and thing. and that's but, not something that's like mm-hmm. off in the fifties with with uh, George Adamski. That and to me, I mean, the Anya Briggs is is like a living example of that right now. Um, right, and um, as Nick Redfern said, has said uh, with his recent book, and and uh, that you know, really, the contactees are still that phenomenon is still continuing. It's not quite so cut and dry like this this was the end of the contactee period and now with you know there are still some very interesting things going on oh my word with that yeah a lot of it's show a lot of it's distraction a lot of it's a lot of things but at the core of it there's something going on yeah and and this is it goes right back to that sitting in the circle at the at the ufo contactee support group where where um, uh-huh. You know, one person tells one story, another person tells a diametrically opposite story. One person, you know, claims to be communing with them 24 hours a day. The next mm-hmm. one claims to be, you know, made of alien DNA. Um, yeah, and I don't know. I don't know where on the continuum to, you know, why is, I mean, why is my story any weirder than anyone else's? My story, when you look at it, mm-hmm. is pretty benign in, compared to some folks. Um, but uh, Right. But why... It just what it does. It basically puts me in a place where I have a very hard time dismissing outright anyone's story. You know, I feel like I should, I should, if nothing else, you know, listen to them with complete attention, and then, and then just, and just, uh, I don't know, just, uh, you know, some things are actually some. There is a line where I feel like I, I, there's some stuff I find very hard to believe, but at the same time, I, I, I feel like I owe it to, to my own bizarre experiences to, to at least pay attention. To, to to these to these outlier experiences, right? And that's how I feel. And this is going to tick off a lot of Bigfoot people. Uh, but there are those cases of uh, people encountering Bigfoot along with UFO and high strangeness experiences, all wrapped up together. And there's at least uh, two Oregon cases of that. One guy was Stan Johnson. Uh, I believe he's deceased now. He is. Uh, he passed away a few years ago. But I mean, his story is kind of a combination of the contactees and who knows what else. He met a family Sasquatch on his property. They communicated. They took him aboard a UFO, um, and it's all wrapped up in kind of a Christianity, sort of a New Age Christianity. Is what's his name? Uh, and it Stan. Johnson. Did he did he write a book called The Psychic Sasquatch? No, that's not Stan's book. Okay, okay, because I read that book and I actually loved that book. So of course it's really all of all of this uh, this side of Bigfoot encounters really infuriates a lot of Bigfoot researchers because they're strictly it's a flesh and blood you know giant ape kind of creature and they don't want to have anything to do with this wacky side, but. I don't know what to make of Stan's story, but I know that there are a lot of strange experiences associated with his encounters, including one I had. I was talking with someone once about Stan, and 
the woman was the, at the time an owner of a new age bookstore and she knew Stan. And we were talking about all this stuff and all of a sudden I felt that I saw this kind of flash of white light above me and then this like <laughs> invisible cone of light kind of come down through the ceiling and completely cover me, surround us. And everything got muffled. There's that muffled sound again. I can still hear her, and but it was almost as if kind of mist or ectoplasm had appeared in the room. And I was having a hard time concentrating because I was thinking in my head, I'm truly going insane right now. <laughs> what is happening? And then as soon as we finished talking about Stan and all of his strange experiences, this thing went back. I mean, I felt it. I even kind of heard it go back up through the ceiling. Okay, so so this, this, is, this is exactly what I'm saying. I mean, so you have a story about a mysterious cone of like interdimensional ectoplasm, like you know, covering yeah. you. And and uh, <laughs> and I, you know, I mean, I'll tell you what. Four years ago, I would have dismissed your story with contempt, um, and I cannot mm-hmm. do that now. Right. It just seems like for some reason in the last few years I've just been slammed with this with this so many bizarre experiences of my own that that I I just have to say like I believe you you know in whether well this woman looked at me she sort of smiled and she said oh so you saw that huh <laughs> and I said uh, what are you talking about you know and then, and then I told her she said oh yeah that happens all the time when we talk about them wow so I mean whatever that's worth. You know, I I don't know what to make of it. Yeah, I don't know what to make of it either. It you know, I'm I, mm-hmm. I, like I think it's that, but you know, keep it in your no. keep it in your in your uh, in your files right. of 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 curious experiences and just and just see where the patterns right. show up. I guess that's as, that's exactly the, you know that's the best answer I can exactly. come up with. Exactly, that's the thing. I'm not I'm not making a uh, a decision or interpretation on what that was, but it was, and I would be dishonest. To pretend it did not happen, and, and then there are some people who say you would be you would be prudent to shut your mouth and never say that ever out loud. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, I know. Well, there is that. Yes, <laughs> I think it's a little late for that. Man. Yeah, it's a little late for me now too. So, uh, but I've never had exactly. that. Exactly. Never... And why? And why do people like us go out there and you know put our real names and our real selves out there and talk about this stuff and? Talk about these strange well, experiences. Well, you know, I, I I went to Laughlin last year, and do you know who Miriam Delicato is? No. Okay, she's quite interesting. You would actually you would actually find her story very engaging, and and uh, she's an experiencer. Uh, lots What's of high Miriam. Miriam Delicato. She's a Canadian woman who has a very. Uh, Oh, she's she basically talks about being commanded or, or or told to come forward with her story. She had a she had an abduction mm-hmm. experience in 1988 with beautiful, tall Nordic blondes, and they basically gave mm-hmm. her secret UFO prophecies and said there will be a time when you're going to come forward and tell this stuff. And that happened mm-hmm. in 2007. So now she's out talking about this stuff. She's very articulate. She's very serious minded. Um, she doesn't mm-hmm. come across as as a trying to start a new religion but she she does come across mm-hmm. as very credible in a lot of ways um so i sat with her and talked with her and she basically said um you need to talk about this stuff you need to come forward and i had a little bit of that mm-hmm. feedback when i was there last year so at the end of february i come back within days 
of being back in my house after being at this eight-day, you know, rather nutty uh, conference. I think that the, the uh, Laughlin conference is, is, a, is kind of at the outward edges. There's a lot of folks that I don't agree with and a lot of people that are a little lighter than air. As, uh, but I came back from the conference and I, within days, it might have even been the day I got back, I, I started putting it together, but I started this blog. This is going to sound, you know, I actually felt compelled. And it, this is going to sound so airy-fairy, but I, it felt like um, like I was compelled or impelled. I actually had a conversation with someone who started her own blog within a few weeks of my blog. Um, she started hers before, and we had this long discussion over the phone about the definition of compelled and impelled. You know, like, why did we do that? Why did she's using her real name? I'm using my real name. It is very bizarre that I went ahead and did that. Uh, and I will say that of March... March of last year, when I first, I was in a in a weird headspace, uh, and it was not a, a peaceful, pleasant headspace. I was anxious. I was confused. I was I was uh, compulsive about this stuff, and um, and I think I came across as sort of a weirdo, uh, and I I can't deny that about my experience. You know, of a year ago in in March or so. Mm-hmm. And then I and I also don't have a good understanding. Is it is it some sort of just mental aberration where I just I just had this crazy ego trip where I had to be like uh, you know put this stuff out there and use my real name just to just to uh, you know satisfy some neediness in me, or is there some other you know more mysterious thing going on? I I don't have an answer to that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> Jeremy, uh, is it Vaney? Oh, Vaney? I know Jeremy Vaney. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. He asked me once, he said, well, do you think this is a, a type of therapy for you? You know, constantly blogging about this and, you know, sitting in a room full of like 400 books on the subject. <laughs> and, you know, who knows? Maybe it is. Uh, I just, no, there is something about a compulsion in a way, you know, like a, a, a being urged or something to do this. But, uh, I, I really don't think about that aspect about it too much. I just do it. Okay, and I actually do um, dwell on that aspect of it. Like, like you know, like, why am I doing this? You know, so I do actually, like, I, I mean, I, yeah. I don't know what percentage of my, you know, waking hours I spend doing that, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an unhealthy amount where I basically am like, is this like some form of mental illness that I'm that I'm like so preoccupied with with this, this, you know, absolutely fringe yeah. chapter. Um, mm-hmm. I don't have a good answer to that. I think it's, um, and I, the, the one thing I have to just walk away with is that I think it's fascinating. And, and it's only right. recently that, that I can actually say, uh, that I feel, I'm going to do the thing where I'm going to like walk around and walk around the block and try to, you know, it's only recently that I can say that, yes, I have had some extraordinarily bizarre experiences that I can't discount. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Same here. And I I think part of it is there maybe assuring I mean, I know I'm not crazy. How <laughs> maybe I am. But okay. Good, good. I, know I, I'm I, not. I I can't say that with, with, with absolute conviction, but <laughs> but I feel you know like And I uh, only say on... that because I don't wanna be. So, you know <laughs> that's the way I deal. <laughs> yeah. Uh but 
it is. It's fascinating. And let's face it, some of it's just plain fun. I mean, I love reading about Mothman or, you know, it's just fun. And Everyone you know what needs a you, hobby. you know what it reminds me of? I think it, there's like a there's like a universal experience of of the um the campfire story. You know, I'm sure, you know, you mm-hmm. could go back in time to, you know, some Babylonian village, you know, and and the people would sit around the campfire and tell spooky ghost stories. And I think that's as right. universal as anything. And and this stuff the like the Mothman sightings and the Bigfoot sightings has that mm-hmm. spooky campfire sort of sort of uh, unanswerable quality to it. You know, the spookier the campfire story, the more mysterious it is and the more unanswerable that it is. And I think that there's something in our, and well, I guess if you're a folklorist, you're you're the perfect person to to bounce mm-hmm. these ideas off with. Um, you know, there's something about these stories that are that are, I don't know, just like a, a universal thing that we as humans need. You know, we need to sit around the campfire of once in a while and tell spooky stories. Right. I, yeah, I agree with that. And uh, I think all of these elements, uh, there is that. There's the just the simple fact we do enjoy being scared. We work things out this way. We uh, signify and represent things um, through these myths and stories and narratives, not to say that they're not true but uh, they exist on another. All of these things are true. They may seem unconnected, uh, and this includes like Marian apparitions and things like that, religious experiences, but I think somewhere in all of these things there is a connection, a shared source, a part of ourselves that at one time we were... to this day, other cultures may very well are still aware of this. Somehow we lost it, uh, aware of this connection. And while there are, are differences within that, there is definitely a whole other world kind of thing going on right alongside of us. And we just, uh, we know that, we retain that, we remember that. And we may not want to acknowledge it or admit it to ourselves and, you know, uh, on the face of it, society goes about its business and doesn't want to talk about esoteric things at all, you know, and mm-hmm. it's fun to them. And, but, uh, but those same people will watch the X-Files. Meanwhile, right, exactly. But meanwhile, we, we know that they, that it's very real. And it does exist. And there are many ways to get at it and to connect with it, Uh, whether it's through psychedelics or whether it's through mystical experiences or, you know, rituals or what have you. Uh, And we, you know, so we talk about things like, well, people just like to be scared. Well, some of that's true, sure. But that's not an explanation. Yeah. That doesn't explain explain it away it just it's a part of it you know and there's all this other stuff going on too you know and the skeptics will always come out well we need to believe and we need to do we blah 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 and there's there's probably some truth to that too and depending on who you are and where you're from and all that all that stuff but again that's not that's not an answer you know um at all are you I'm not a particularly religious person, but, you know, I believe all these things exist somewhere. 
uh, I just feel like I've been somewhat enlightened with, but it, on a mythological mm-hmm. level, rather than than a literal level. And I mm-hmm. think that's almost right. as important to to my psyche. Right, I I agree with that. I mean, I I know what you mean too about uh, somehow as as different as these things are on the surface, and they are. Somehow it all has to do with each other in some way. And uh, that's why I enjoy Andrew Colvin's books. Are, are you familiar with him? No. He's, he wrote The Mothman's Photographer. No. Uh, two and three. He's, uh, what I like about him is he has, he, like yourself, he starts with himself, his own experiences, with this realm, this esoteric realm, for lack of a better term. And he's, he grew up in West Virginia. He had his own Mothman experience. He's fascinated. He's drawn to that imagery. And this is back to Compelled, that, yeah. That Mothman myth. And I don't, when I use myth, I do just, I would see it like you, I do not mean something that's not true. And he's, not, he's a really interesting guy. He's, he's uh, a Buddhist, and he's, he's knowledgeable about a lot of uh, traditions and things like that. So he brings all of that to his own, and he's also an artist, which I think is interesting. You know, a lot of people with these kinds of experiences are artists. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm an artist, you're an artist, my husband's an artist. You know, it's just you, you find a lot of people who are um, artists with these experiences and I don't know if that means anything or not but no and that's actually that's I that I've, I've been very aware of that mm-hmm. so anyway he's uh, and he he goes off on the he's been interviewed on various you know you just google him and he'll, but he makes these <laughs> like crazy connections uh, with stuff that in in some ways makes no sense like where did he get that but he just keeps and you can follow it and somehow it does make sense and there is a connection and that's his way of getting at it mm-hmm. i think and yet it kind of makes sense too yeah you know and I, I enjoyed that process yeah hey um this has been going great and and i actually i'm going to look at the clock here and see how long we've been talking in a way, it could go on forever. And yeah, it certainly could go on forever. <laughs> and um, but, and I'll tell you, I'll just like I'm gonna. So one of the things we have in common is Jeremy mm-hmm. Vaney gave me a very <laughs> hard time because I wouldn't call myself an abductee. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we have that in common. We have the funny yeah. orange thing in common. Right. We have the compelled to blog in common. I'm sorry, what? We have the both compelled to, to write in a blog format. Yeah. We have that in common. Yes. <laughs> and uh, my, my original, the, my blog originally started, because all I was going to do initially was talk about my synchronicities on my blog. Mm-hmm. Um, what, have, you've, have you, what's your synchronicity experiences? Oh, wow. Okay. I'm trying to remember some of them. Well, uh, did you read the comment I left on your blog? Uh your most recent entry about no- November fourth. Uh huh. No, actually, like, I let me bring it up right now. And are you there? I'm. I'm looking at it right now. 
Yeah, saucer sightings, orange orb. Yeah. Oh, so it's I your husband's birthday. Comments. It's the husband's birthday, November fourth. Right, 4th. November fourth yeah. is my husband's birthday. <laughs> right. So, here I'll tell you. Here I'll give you a little. Because uh, uh, I told you earlier this story about um, the orange flash, and I was with mm-hmm. my friend uh, Mike Lewis at the time, and that's a pseudonym. I'm not going to give his real name because I haven't talked to him in in a long time. Uh, right. So the X, remember I told you there was an X on the sidewalk. If I was going to, I knew exactly where the spot was. And that spot was in front of Cindy Gale's house. And there was a day last year in March when I realized that I had to, because at that point in the blog, I had only posted some sort of curious little synchronicities and, and sort of charming little funny stories of that I had already written up in kind of a diary format and, and um, but I realized I needed to post the orange flash story, which has, I mean that there's the implication to that story is pretty strong, um, missing time mm-hmm. within associated, uh, uh, you know, like odd light in the sky. Um, so, an odd orange light, I'll add. The Cindy Gale's house, I found it on Google Earth. She lived right down the street from me. I had the biggest crush on Cindy Gale as a kindergartner, my first real crush, and. Uh, she moved um, when we were in junior high, so she would have been living at that house at the time uh, that, that the event took place in her front yard, a little suburban house in Michigan. I, so I have the Google Earth image from the satellite. I put an X on the sidewalk. I have that image ready to go. That's going to fit in the blog posting. And I realize I don't have the courage to actually post this. The implications are too intense. And I, and I, and I, am, not, I am not exaggerating. My hands were above the keyboard. I was in this place of anxiety, of self-doubt, and I said to myself, I am not brave enough to post this. And at that second, not a minute earlier, not a minute later, at that second, I hear a little ping on the on the um, my computer, and that, that, that ping means I got some incoming email, so I was like, okay, this will distract me, and I jump to the to my email program, and I and I get this email, and I look at it, and the and on the inbox it says, Cindy Gale wants to be your friend on Facebook. <laughs> and I realized I hadn't talked to her in 34 years. Uh-huh. So that's when that came in. Um, uh-huh. I immediately go to her, you know, I say yes to her thing. I, I get on, she's obviously, she's on Facebook right at that moment. I do the little Facebook chat box thing, and we start chatting on Facebook. And I say, listen, this is the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me. I send her the, the, uh, the uh, text um, you know, this is someone I have not talked to in 34 years, I think. I figured it out. And uh, she reads the text. You know, this is maybe five paragraphs of me explaining, you know, like basically seeing a UFO in her front yard. And she said, well, if that was Friday night in 1974, I would have been watching, you know, at 930, I would have been watching. And she knew the television show that was on. I think it was like Mary Tyler Moore or something. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, she said, I would have been in that house. And... So I've struck up, I'm probably going to edit some of this out because some of this gets personal. I've struck up quite a wonderful friendship with her again over the internet. The, one of the first things she said is, oh, I have a bunch of UFO books, which is interesting. <laughs> not many people say that. And you probably yeah. know more than anyone that not many people say that. <laughs> so so in the middle of the summer, I get an email from her and it basically says, Mike, we got to talk. Give me a call right now. This is potentially life changing for you. I'm like, uh, okay, that's the kind of thing I respond to. Um, so I call her up, and this is actually the first time we've talked on the phone. All of the rest of the time has been through little chat boxes and through this little email format. So I talked to her on the phone, 
and she says, you know, I, I'm still in touch with my old next door neighbors from that house in Michigan, you know, where we where in the neighborhood where we grew up. And they're they're this wonderful elderly couple now, and they're they're still doing great. And and uh, they they had a son who I think was older than than Cindy or I, and I'm pretty sure he would have been more my brother's age. But uh, she tells a story of, you know, this would have been this summer. She said I visit them still. I still go and say hi to them. And so I went and visited them, and she said, oh, you know, like remember Mike Clellan from the neighborhood? And they kind of went, yeah, maybe. And so well, he's been doing this UFO stuff, this funny research. And they, without that much prompting, without much prompting, uh, they say, oh, we watched a glowing green UFO hovering over your house in the mid-70s. My husband, me, the, you know, the husband and wife, and the son all sat on the porch and watched this glowing green UFO hover above your house. Oh. Isn't that weird? Very weird. So, um, and and then, uh, this is, gets so strange. One of the things that I do is, as far as like, I don't know how to say it, like my shamanic journey, which is such a corny way to say it, but what like, sometimes I feel um, compelled, and that's as good a word as any, and I've been having really good luck with this. Mm-hmm. I will go into the mountains. I live right near Grand Teton National Park. I'll go into the mountains uh, in the summertime, and I'll just, uh, I'll look at the weather, I won't take a shelter, I'll sleep out under the stars, I'll just leave the house, you know, in the early evening, and there's these beautiful trail systems that I can get to really quickly, and I'll sleep out under the stars, but before I fall asleep, I will make a plea to the universe. I'll lay on my back, I'll look up at the stars, and I'll say, um, okay, universe, uh, I'm open and receptive for whatever you want to give me. And I used to say, I don't want it scary. You know, I'm open for anything, but don't make it scary. I've since stopped doing that. Basically, I say, like, listen, I'm open for anything. If you want to make it scary, I guess I'm ready for that. But, uh, you know, and and I've been taking a little voice recorder because I want to be able to, if I wake up in the morning and have a dream, and sometimes I do have a dream, that dream of my brother where he had the UFO in his garage came from that that uh, same, uh, you know, I, I went out into the mountains like that. Um, so this summer, I think it would have been July, I was beside myself with this sort of, pent-up anxiety and I said I got to go and sleep out under the stars and ask for help so I go out and I and I record my plea at night and I have actually posted this on the blog I've recorded my plea at night and it's me and I have to say I get kind of mushy I get kind of cornball and, I, and it almost sounds like I'm going to tear up and I'm like you know I basically say like I'm fatigued I, I can't take it anymore like I need I just need to know whether this is real or not and, I, and if it's scary so be it but but I just need help and then I say thank you, and I and I and I um, mm-hmm. go to sleep. I wake up the next morning, nothing, no dream, no nothing. And when I when I record this, I say it's about ten o'clock. And my memory was it was between about nine thirty and ten, given about the daylight. Uh, nothing happens, no dream, no nothing. I wake up, it's a beautiful morning. I walk around, it's super pretty. I go back to my car, and I get back to my house at about lunchtime. The first thing I do when I get back to my house is check my email, and on my email inbox. At 9.38 in the evening, potentially the exact minute I was on the little voice recorder giving my plea to the universe, is a, is a Facebook request, and it says, Mike Lewis wants to be your friend on Facebook. And I haven't talked to Mike Lewis in since high school graduation in 1980. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of stuff I've been dealing with. That right. flipped me out. I have I have not been able to... Uh, I've since communicated with him a little bit on Facebook, 
just kind of like, you know, hey, where, where are you? And he lives in a different state now and he's got kids. And so I've just found out some, you know, just the social niceties that you would ask, you know, someone you hadn't talked to in 25 years mm-hmm. or close to 30 years now. Um, so that's the kind of stuff I've been dealing with. And that's the kind of stuff right. that I can't deny. And it's, it's true, too. I, I, I've experienced that when you put the intent out there and you focus on that and you make the decision you're going to uh, keep track of your synchronicities and they do start to happen fast and furious unbelievable yeah you know little things like that just happen frequently Uh, I I go up and down with uh, keeping track of those things I keep track of them and then if if I sometimes I just have to stop because I don't have time to keep track. Of them all. <laughs> I mean, really. Oh, and know, I and I've gotten just, to the point now where it's like it's overwhelming. Where yeah. it's like funny little numbers. It's like oh, that number showed up again. What does that mean? And and I recognize exactly. that some of that is yes, some of that is just and... you know might just be you know pure coincidence, and some of it might have some mm-hmm. sort of underlying you know. Uh, but but I. Yeah, I just I just worry that I'm turning into that like you know funny guy that like you know sleeps in a cardboard box in New York City that just like you know mumbles to himself about like you know the right. the, the crazy conspiracies that are like you know running the world. You all you have to do is open the door a little bit, and the stuff starts flying stuff starts out. Fly, flooding through. Oh my gosh, yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and I'm wondering, does it happen to everyone? And I'm just like so, you know, ridiculously self-aware that I notice it. I don't know. I mean, I, I know that most people just shrug and say, oh, it's just coincidence. And I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't know either. I, I, I don't. I, I think there that's... are no coincidences as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, something, something more profound is poking. Uh, I'm just going to use my own personal reference stuff here. It's been something more profound is poking at me from behind the curtain and, uh, mm-hmm. and nudging right. me. And, and, um, and I feel like it would be a disservice to the universe not to pay attention. Um, I don't exactly. feel like I need to um, put on a purple robe and, you know, chant in front of the, you know, airport or anything like that at this point. But I do right. feel like I, I need to pay attention. Yeah, and I think that's exactly what it, what it, what it is. It's a message to, uh, and you know, what's that expression? Um, once it, whatever it is, all this stuff, uh, notices you noticing it, then it notices you back and. Oh, and it starts a crazy, you know, a, a crazy spiral at that point, you know. Exactly, right. And, you know, and drags you along with it. And uh, and it feels like yeah. my life has changed in the last three years since I've since I've said yes to this experience or said yes in the sense that, that I, I have chosen to look into it with, uh, you know, like I feel like i got to follow it wherever it leads. I'll ask you a question like that people have asked me and I'm sure you've been asked it before is uh given all of your experiences and the things like the missing time and and all these other things have you uh considered going through hypnosis or some kind of regression i've actually tried it um three times Mm. and uh and and uh it never worked it could never put me under i and i did it with bud hopkins in new york city oh my goodness yeah yeah i went through this and i did it with leo sprinkle in Wyoming, and then I did it with Barbara Lamb at a, uh, and nobody okay. could put me under what I thought was successfully. Um, well, and that it, is 
very interesting. Yeah, and and uh, the it's here's one thing That's that did come whole... up. And and I this is gonna so so I met with Bud Hopkins in New York City mm-hmm. and and uh, and I used to live in New York City so I was visiting friends there and and, and I took a fair amount of work to sort of warm my way in there and uh, I can be a pushy guy and I managed to get into get in there so he um you know he we talked about that event the Orange Flash in in my hometown mm-hmm. in front of Cindy Gale's house and there was a point when he's like you know picture Mike Lewis's face. And I could picture it. He had red hair and freckles, and I totally saw him as a 12-year-old. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And he said, okay, you're walking home from the football game. And I was like, there was a gate that I had to walk through at um, uh, from from the high school, where the where the sort of high school football stadium merges to the neighborhood next. There's a gate there. And I, and I hadn't thought about the gate ever in, in all these years. And then I thought about it so clearly. It was like you had to kind of walk out of your way to get through this gate. And I was like, that gate? I haven't thought about that. And I And I remember describing my neighborhood and I said well you walk across this two lane highway and then you enter my neighborhood in my hypnotic regression state I I uh I remember blurting out and I have it recorded I remember blurting out um like it's a four lane highway it's not two lane it's four lane and sure enough I look at it on Google Earth image and it is a four lane uh, highway that that uh I have to cross and I got to the spot where the orange flash took place and I am not exaggerating it was like someone in my mind took the the VCR remote control and just put pushed pause and no, yeah. I was not going to get past that pause thing and I could mm-hmm. tell that this is something that Bud Hopkins had done before and he used every trick in the book he was like well let's just pretend you're watching a movie and and uh mm-hmm. and you're just going to peek through your you know and and just going to you're going to see the next scene and nothing and he's like well let's mm-hmm. just pretend you're uh you know you're you're uh it's on a stage and you're watching it, and, and, and you peek through the curtain. What happens? I'm like, uh, nothing. We're, me and this other kid are standing on the sidewalk. We're frozen. Nothing's happening. And it just went on and on and on like that. And, and uh, at the end, when I left his his his, uh, his apartment or his loft there, he said, you know, you did pretty well, but um, I've been doing this a while, and I've seen some people who are blocked, and you are blocked. Mm-hmm. So whether, the, you know, that's a very leading thing for him to say, but he, you know, he was kind mm-hmm. of being jocular and, and and nice about it but right. uh, so yes i have considered so i actually have considered it so much that i've attempted it and at this point i feel like like uh like uh, I, i'm so nervous when i when i'm laying there like you know the act of like okay let's relax it's like it is not a relaxing right. thing for me i am i am like crawling in my skin what was your experience like with sprinkle nice he's a super sweet guy and and uh mm-hmm. And uh, but I, he couldn't put me under. He would he would use this but little thing like get, yeah. He would That's say very interesting. Yeah, I haven't done it because well for a lot of reasons. One reason is, and I know this sounds very silly. It's irrational, but it seems kind of silly. I mean, really, this whole thing is very silly. Absolutely. <laughs> That's like so. I you know part of me just feels too damn silly. Which makes no sense. And but. part of me says that, like, oh, God, I've read so many scary nightmare <laughs> stories. That's the last thing I want to see is, like, right. is like see and something another... creepy in my mind's eye that will give me nightmares for the rest of my life, you know. And and then there's some of, you know, I've just been looking at this stuff from all kinds of ways for so long. I don't know what, to, what I could trust. Oh, you are actually quoting me almost up. word for word there. The way I say that, and that's actually something I've said, I just say, I say, I feel like my filing cabinets in my brain are so stuffed with stuff that if I wanted to confabulate and make something up, I could make up a doozy, and I may not know that. Exactly. Yeah. 
Right. And so there's that. And I admit to a little bit of just plain being scared. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know what, well, it gets back to what we just said. I don't know how much of what would come up or might come up to believe or not. And there's that. And, and I kind of like going through it this way trying to get at it the way I've been doing. And, you know, it's so interesting. Like, if I'm blocked, then so be it. You know, like, it seems like the universe mm-hmm. is, is, like, has got a plan, and, and like, you know, that's right. how it wants to play out. And if, if I was supposed to know, I would know. So right. I, I kind of like Lately, that. Lately, I've been uh, uh, look, uh, working with, and I've blocked about this a little bit, of just having the intent, holding the intent of, remembering these missing time episodes in my life in some other way, consciously, something to trigger it in my life other than hypnosis. Mm-hmm. Uh, my husband and I had another episode of missing time. Although not, it's funny, it's one of those things where it's not c- connected with any kind of a UFO sighting or experience. And yet, it's very spooky and very weird, and we can't help but think of a UFO when we talk about it. It's, and, and it's just one of those, again, very strange, surreal, vague things that kind of makes no sense on one level. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and then we were discussing uh, one of our experiences not too long ago. And in talking about it and uncovering some things, and I was sort of remembering things as he was saying them. I was going, oh, my God, that's right. We realized we had another episode missing time. So so you have now, you're saying you have, did I count out four episodes of missing time? Three. Three, Three, okay. Yeah. And I have one. (laughs) So you're winning. that you know of. (laughs) Yeah, that I know of, yeah. So, (laughs) So, yeah. So, so I'm working on somehow getting at this stuff in different ways other than going under. And then, of course, you, there's, you know, years and years and years ago when I had that orange orb sighting, and the, the aftermath of that, the immediate aftermath of that was the, the paralyzing, frightening dreams and the whole thing was so disturbing that I literally was losing sleep, and I went to see a therapist. Well, I didn't have much money, and I didn't have any money, and, you know, didn't have a car even at the time. And so I found someone that was doing free therapy sessions. I think she was a graduate student or something. I don't know. And went to her house and told her, you know, I was naive. I didn't realize that most people don't want to hear this stuff. <laughs> you can't go around talking about this stuff to just anyone. Yeah. Know? Um, that's what the, because, that's why you posted on your blog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There you go. So she, after I told her all this, she just, you know, I told me basically I'd seen too many science fiction movies. I felt horrible. I felt I felt very embarrassed. I felt really ashamed and sad. And I just remember walking home feeling like I had done something really bad. Oh, this is so you know? interesting because I actually this is this is one of the things where we where we diverge. 
and have something that's opposite. Because I was seeing a therapist, and I had I have, I have a history of depression, which I've been very open about, and I've talked about it on the mm-hmm. blog a bunch. And and um, uh, which so have I. Which is which is right in that same category, I think, mm-hmm. is is like the creative artist types mm-hmm. that have. I don't, you know, this is like there's a checklist of things that show up, and one of them is depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one is a creative output, and and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so interesting. So I so I so you know I'm seeing a therapist for depression issues. She's I get along with her well. She's smart. She listens patiently, and and uh, you know there's a funny there's a need to be connected on a good level, you know. And I I never felt like this was the you know it was very good, but it wasn't great. Um, my relationship with with this one therapist, and she, um, and finally like with, like it took me a while, and it was. I was seeing her right in the the throes of this point where I was like, I have to follow this. I'm going to pursue this. I'm going to see where it goes. And she believed me. She treated me as absolutely valid, you know, my experiences. Mm-hmm. And uh, she believed them much more than I did, in essence. And I, and I, in essence, had to call her on it. I basically had to say, like, listen, like, you know, you got to be a little more skeptical. Don't Don't just sit there on the other side of the therapy session here and 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 go hmm so interesting you know like very good you know like oh that's you know like you got to say you got to play the skeptic here because i mm-hmm. i it was it was equally as weird to have to have like a prof- mental health professional believe me you know i don't know if that's what i wanted mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. in essence i remember riding my bike home from some of those sessions going like why did she believe me like you know i would the only reason i went there was for her to like you know say like oh it's all in your mind and here's like this special pill we can give you and it'll go away <laughs> No. Well, I think there's there's a medium bet- between the our two experiences. I I'm not so sure that I wanted her to believe me like that, but but to be told that basically I've just seen too many movies and had an overactive imagination, um, that basically it was depression that was causing my UFO sightings, which was kind of a nice way of saying I was a little bit crazy. That's that's mental illness, you know, sure. And that's why I felt so bad. I know what you mean, too. One is lucky, fortunate enough to find someone that could really, truly help you through it without making you feel like an idiot, you know, either way. Yeah. So I, so I just have avoided that. Yeah. And you know who actually, this is, this is actually, this is, breaks my heart so to nice. say what I'm going to say, but the person who was the best at that? At playing that role of being skeptical as well as being engaging, as well as validating, as well as being a listening ear, um, was Mac mm-hmm. Tony's. I, mm-hmm. I, this is, I just, I heard him on Banal of America. This would have been when he was first on there. And this, mm-hmm. I think it was like in 06. And I just, I oh. remember being completely fascinated by the guy. And I literally looked his phone number up in the phone book. I knew he was in Missouri, and I and I looked him up in the phone book and just called him out of the blue, and and we remained friends until and I talked to him just a few, literally a few days before he died. Um, oh my god! Yeah, it just I mean it's like I remember. Oh god, it was that was that my I was devastating from here for me with the day yeah. I heard that he that he died, and it was I was in a little coffee yeah. shop checking my email, um, and I just remember yeah, sitting in the real. corner of this coffee shop crying my eyes out, like you know, trying mm-hmm. not to like make a scene, you know, like. Uh, in this totally public place, but um, yeah. So without exaggerating, um, he was the best resource I had. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, just was super and funny and just and he was also delighted by the sort of by the by the process because I was you know those years mm-hmm. are where the years that I was you know sort of going through you know I feel like I'm playing detective with myself right I was at a conference right. yeah I was at a conference yeah. recently and and a UFO conference and and I someone came up to me and said oh well what are you doing and I was like well I'm doing research and they're like oh what are you researching and then I had to pause I'm like what am I researching and I'm like well you know actually you know what I'm researching I'm researching myself and I think that's an honest answer mm-hmm. right yep sure enough right Mike I know that sounds terribly uh mundane but I need to go oh yeah this is this has been great don't don't you dare apologize for talking for two and a half hours okay <laughs> So <laughs> I've, I've had the best time. This has been great. It's just that real life is calling me. Okay. Well, I will, um, I will, um, be in touch <laughs> and I will, I will edit this and it'll be totally, I, I have only good feelings about how this is going to come out and I'll, and I'll, and it won't be two okay, and a half hours. Too. Okay. Hey, thank no, you so much. I, I th- so, Hey, this uh, is, thank you so much. I, I had a great time. Good. Yeah, I'll keep here. you updated when this gets, goes online and okay. Thank you. Wonderful. So, okay. Take care. Thank you, Mike. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, that went great. Uh, that did go well. Uh, I just finished the editing process, and you know what? I um, uh, Just after I hung up with Reagan, I sent her an email saying, hey, thanks, that went great. Um, and one of the things I added to the email when I sent it to her after I finished, I, I said, hey, thanks for playing my therapist. And after listening to this, uh, it is sort of weird. Um yeah, we. Uh, I. She did sort of play my therapist at points on this thing, which was interesting. I didn't expect that. It was very curious. We have a lot in common. Uh, some of the stuff is very subtle, and it is a weird thing to talk to someone like this. Very. I have to say, it's it's uh, it's very um. Very helpful. Very helpful. I got a lot out of it. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I think it turned out great. I'm very happy with uh, my new acquaintance.